are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale is walking around on stilts. Fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle. I'm looking for a drummer who will double as my driver, triple as my psychiatrist. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Disc Golf on the Green. All right, Feedy, what are we talking about today in the disc golf world? Well, today we're going to be talking about the advantages of forehand versus backhand on right. an open course, 450 feet. Yeah, well that sounds great. With my forehand, I like to drive with a putter, which goes against common practice, but I find that it cuts through a high breeze quite efficiently. Now, with my backhand, I will use my striking driver, which uh, will catch the thermals in the air. That's incredible. Yes, I have been going to hit a hole-in-one on a 450-yard hole. Feedy, how about you? What do you prefer? I really like what you just said, right? but I also hate everything that you just said. Oh, do you know why? Yes. This because this, this is, is not a this isn't podcast. disc golf, man. You guys fell for it so <laughs> hard. Oh my god! Did you see their faces? They're like they were like, oh, oh I, did we hit the wrong button? <laughs> oh man! But actually, if you guys want to disc golf with me, I'm free and weekends, and I don't really have much going on. He's got a six handicap. Hey, hey, no, that's uh, that's oh, golf terminology. That's how much. I know about disc golf. Golf. Yeah, golfing. I don't know anything about it either. Although I do own. You know what? Whoa, let's, Dave! Let's I didn't just... want to say anything, but you're looking a little tubby right now. Uh, well, hold on. My name's Dave McAllister. I'm Feedy. This is the Thundercling Podcast. It is about rock climbing. Oh, yes, ostensibly. Um, but thank you for noticing. I am feeling rather. Bulbous. And I mean, it doesn't look bad. Right it doesn't look bad, you know. You know when you like have a really good season in your garden, and yeah. you're like, yeah, I, I wonder how that. the onions are looking. And you pull it out of the ground, and the <sighs> earth like spreads and yeah. like breaks because the onion is so big, yeah. and round. I'm that focusing on the yeah. I'm the, focusing on the bicep in this image here. The onion bicep? No, your bicep. Like I can. Oh, see when that. I'm like, yeah, like. Just yeah, it's 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 like a sausage covered in a layer of fat right now. Because I am that onion. <laughs> this onion was fed turkey, nice. stuffing, ham. Was it the secret McAllister recipe? Oh, you know what? Thanks for asking, Petey. It's almost like we've talked about this before. I did make the secret McAllister stuffing wow. this year, and I made it was so heavy. Yeah, it's like black matter. And it was so surprising how heavy it was, I decided to weigh it. And this year, my stuffing weighed 22 pounds. Oh, my God. That's that's pretty good. That's really nice, dude. I'm happy to hear. How about you? You're looking um, ob- not obese, yeah, but also definitely not healthy. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. Um, Fat. I, I had a very successful Thanksgiving. Did you? Well, I can tell. When I think back to it, it is this rose-tinted slow-mo reel of me laying back <laughs> on my couch, and my mom just, she brings the, the pot 
of it's just a mixture of potatoes, gravy, yeah. and turkey. Oh man! And it she just ladles it and it's just it, it went into me. Yeah, and it was amazing. Well, that's a provocative thought. Yeah, the way that you described eating it, when you said it went into me mm-hmm. as though it were a spirit. Yes, it's a little makes me a little nervous that I don't actually remember the ten days I was in Atlanta, but I can only assume that meant. That it was a success. Yeah. Turkey haze is what they call that. Oh. That's what I learned in college. In Psych 101, they call that the turkey Turkey haze. haze. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think... We forget about that. I'm in turkey haze as well. Wait. But I remember everything. That's really rare, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to do a case study on it. And now, I'm going to kill the turkey. Please don't. Dave. You know what? I'm going to kill it. We're going to put it out to pasture. It's dead. I thought it was already dead. It's dead again. Okay. Twice dead turkey, which was my dad's secret recipe say, back in the day. Good, Come actually. and get your twice dead turkey. <laughs> dad, how'd you make it? Oh, it's like kimchi, son, and bury it in the ground for six months. Um, anyway, who do we have on the Thundercling broadcast today? We're very lucky to have the one and only Whitney Pesek. Whitney Pesek? Whitney Pesek. Or Pesek, but it is Pesek. But it is. Why would we have Whitney on this particular show? Because she's a fucking silver medalist in the world championships in Austria. All 2018, right? 2018, very recent. Um, What else makes her story unique? She is not like you and I, Dave. That's true. She is a kind, <laughs> civilized and, human. And she's intelligent. And she's also legally blind. She is a visually impaired rock climber um although you wouldn't know it meeting her i did meet her so i met whitney maybe five years ago on when we were on the road i don't remember oh in bishop and i had no idea until i saw a gofundme like right before the world championships and it was like fun whitney pesic uh adaptive climber and i was like oh my god what happened yeah and she is uh she's so humble and she's so unconcerned about telling her story to other people that like nobody knew she was visually impaired or legally blind um yeah once again we have some uh guest on that i think personally for me is just you can learn a lot from really inspiring um she is uh like i said she's super humble she kind of tackles life's challenges with like a wide-eyed joy and her story her story is just wild because she she wasn't born legally blind i think that's part of it too is that she experienced the gradual loss of it and i think that could be such a such a difficult thing and i'm sure it was for her but um she came out of it i think as you yeah yeah we can let her tell it the trauma that that would cause to most people is unspeakable like i can't imagine i can't imagine the grace with the grace and humor with which she handles it is incredible we're talking too long dude we should why don't we ever let the why don't we ever let our guests speak for themselves why do we get i think we're too psyched for them that's the problem i hate being psyched yeah me too Uh, but i hope you guys are psyched for the interview should we go to it bye bye down in the city where the wind patterns change, blowing around the building.
Mountains of tall and strange. Are you guys in Salt Lake now? Yeah. Yep. When did that happen? So actually like a year and like a week. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah. It's what been was, a while. What was the move about? I wanted to be close to the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. Like I love Arizona, but it's hot way too much of the year. No so shit it is. I like the seasons up there a little bit better. There are a lot of Republicans there too. Uh-huh. <laughs> not say, hey, if you're a Republican, then I'm not saying no. there's anything wrong They're, with It's very red. The it blue is, is uh, fucking a minority. Yeah. Red, I know. Um, <laughs> so what are you guys doing with the uh, tr- the Airstream, the trailer? Yeah. So we've been in it for about eight months now, uh-huh. and we love it. But unfortunately for me, like I can't drive, right? And I'm not very good on anything that goes any faster than like a walking pace. So... <laughs> we we just like after a while Sean's schedule got really busy and like we're starting to like get into like the community a little bit more but I'm so like out in the middle nowhere in this trailer so we just decided like it'd be more convenient to be in the city where I can get rides and get out more and get to the crags easier so we're saying goodbye to it for a while it looks amazing yeah Yeah, Sean does such a good job did he build it out yeah, I like did the layout and then he spent like three months like from scratch. It was pretty rad. Nice, dude. That thing, that is uh, a heck. That we, I mean, we did the same thing while we were living mm-hmm. in it. Oh my gosh. It was fucking <laughs> terrible, crazy. dude. It yeah. was not fun. <laughs> How long did you guys live in that, Dave? We, guys, which one? You guys, the van right now. How long were you guys in there? Yeah. Uh, we were. Did we ever see you in the van, Whitney? No, I saw the trailer. Only gravy train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the gravy train. We, uh, we were in the van for like a year and a half. Oh, it's solid. Yeah. But like That's you, a- we were just like, man, I don't know if you felt this way, but I was like, I'm a little bit over it. Like we were yeah. pretty much, pretty much in the lifestyle for like five years. Yeah. You know, and it's just like it's a long time. You forget what like a sink and a shower oh, and yes. like a refrigerator, a, to- a toilet, a refrigerator that was, was a huge thing. thing. What was your thing? Toilet. After two years in the van, like, well, number one was toilet. Like I hate, I like despise our pee bottle. Like <laughs> you get a bad Every time I saw it, yeah, I like would get angry. Oh no. <laughs> I feel the same way, man. Every every time I see a Gatorade bottle, I'm like, you, yes. you bastard. Or like a wide mouth Nalgene, I'm like, get it away from me. Lynn used uh, pickle jars. This is like oh. the dark secrets of living yeah. in a van. Yep. It's Things true. You don't think about, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, dude. Like, van life is so romanticized in the freaking oh, yeah. world right now. And it I'm just like, hot. you it's super hot. You people don't fucking know at all. Like, the smells... Yeah. On hot days when you're not climbing, mm-hmm. you're like in on cold days, you're like, you know, you don't, if you don't have a heater, you're like running. Uh, it's just, I, yeah. I, I was so bad, bad over news. it. Like I'm over it for years, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. One of my van friends has told me that they have used their cat's litter box mm-hmm. before emergency. For the we've used, we've the used kitty litter before yeah, to like keep quite... the smell down. In what, like, where did you put the kitty? Oh, just like. <laughs> you know, like if you have you have an emergency and you got to go that. You got to go. That number two, you know, little kitty litter helps you until you get somewhere where you can get rid of that. Whitney, I'm ashamed I just heard that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, 
Uh, you know what? I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> no, no, you have to tell it. Tell story. You have to tell it now. You went there. You went right. there, Dave. You I'm went gonna, there. I'm going to tell it. So I was, <laughs> I was working on a house like two years ago, and I had to shit so bad. I mean, and I, I was like retiling the bathroom floor, so I'd taken out the toilet. There is no toilet unless I want to take a dump mm-hmm. in like a ghost toilet in somebody's living room. Not going to do it. <laughs> so. I drove to a really close Safeway, like two blocks away, but I couldn't walk there. I drove there, and their fucking toilets were out of order. Oh, no. And there was nothing else around, so I drove back home. All right, and this is where the shame starts. I went into the garage where there are windows everywhere, but, but I can't stress to you enough how little time I had before I absolutely shit was my coming. pants. Like a yes. little kid, yes, there's no stopping it. <laughs> Um, so I got like a Home Depot Homer bucket and oh. I got a garbage bag out. Nice preparation. And I sat down yeah. with windows everywhere with no curtains on them and took a giant heaping <laughs> shit. Was it, what was the lighting like? Was it like dimly it was, lit? No, it was very, very bright. <laughs> very bright. <laughs> that very, harsh, very bright. like judging lights. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, these <sighs> are the things you got to do. Those are the, the gross little life. secrets we all have. Yeah. So, I love like it's not even been 10 minutes and we're talking about poop. Like, this is fantastic. You know what the sad thing is? It's it's totally on record, too, and this isn't really what we intended. No, but, this uh, is great. I Still, it. I love that we're yeah. talking about poop. Sometimes sometimes the universe conspires to make you shit your pants. It'll, it'll do true, it. Man. It'll do if it. If you got to go, you got to go. It'd be like, sorry, yep. Safeway, decide, it's not going to work today. Um, So I haven't said it yet, but dude, you're a national champ. You're a silver medalist. No, world champion. Silver medal. Silver. Yes, it's excuse silver. me. It's we were both silver. slightly wrong about what we were saying. That's fucking crazy. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I, it, I it can't was believe crazy. it. I, well, I, you know, I, I wasn't really sure how to like start the conversation because there's so much yeah. that both me and Feedy want to talk about. Um, But I'm just going to kind of start it this way. When we met, what, mm-hmm. like four years ago? Yeah. So, at so least. I had no idea mm-hmm. at all. You never said anything about like, oh, my eyesight's not that good. Like, I had no idea. You were climbing as strong as I see anybody climb. I And I had no idea. Um, dude. Yeah. What, you, you kept <laughs> it under wraps. Yeah. I, I am like, I'm one of those people that's like really bad at sharing. <laughs> Sean always gets after me because he's like, dude, like you meet people and then they'll see you again and wave and you like totally ignore them. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so many people kind of think like, oh my gosh, because I did, I just like totally don't pick up on it or like until I like remember people, people's voices, like I won't recognize them. And so I'll introduce myself like 12 times to them and they think I'm just being a jerk and I don't remember that. That is so interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. I know. I gotta get. I'm. Too, we've been working on like a dialogue. Like, how do I slip it into a conversation yeah. casually? It's not a net. It's not like. Oh, by the way. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, I can see how it'd it's be like a weird. little bit like. Uh, like what? You, it would just make you feel <laughs> funny, right? Like yeah. it, it would make you. Feel, it would make me feel self-conscious if I was always like, "Hey, how's it going?" Oh, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you. Listen. Um, macular degeneration. <laughs> so there's that. So next time I I might not recognize you. Yeah. 
Like you have to say hello and you're just like, oh man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this poor <crazy>. person. <laughs> um, so how was the, how was, you know what? If it, this is how I'm going to start this, this okay. puppy out. <laughs> I want, like, um, how did you hook up? We're going to go backwards a little bit yeah. later. Okay. We're mm-hmm. going to go way, way back and start <laughs> this over. But, um, how did you hook up with going to Ohio for nationals and like, mm. um, kind of enter the adaptive climbing scene? Yeah. So social media straight up. Um, Sean saw something on, so I think it was like Instagram about like the adaptive climbing group. That's like based, they got a couple like New York, Chicago. And I was, he's like, you should see if you can like do this. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like what is adaptive climbing? And so we did a little bit of research and I didn't even know this was a thing till February of this year. Like I didn't know there were like adaptive or like paraclimbers. Did you see um, like real rock with Mo Beck nope. or anything? No. Nope. Hey, I have a quick, I have a <laughs> quick thing. That's the one to... real rock I didn't see, but. Oh, really? <laughs> I have one thing to ask you. Can you move yeah. your mic just a little bit away from your mouth? Yep. We can hear the, better? we can hear. Oh my God. That's so much better. Can hear I... the breathing. <laughs> we can hear your creepy breathing. <laughs> We all breathe. We all breathe. It's we, all right. Yeah, we all breathe. No judgment there. No judgment. There's no breathing judgment. Judgment-free zone. <laughs> um, I'm super, super sorry to interrupt you with that weird, no, weird aside. Um, okay, so you had no idea what Mm-mm. adaptive climbing was. No. Okay. I'd never met an adaptive climber. Like I've never met anybody else who was like blind or visually impaired that climbs like ever. So... That's, that's how it like got the ball rolling for me. Um, I applied to that and like, what do you mean you applied? So I applied to be on the ACG team basically. So they just help you like with what's going on in the adaptive community, like adaptive comps that are happening that help you kind of prepare for nationals and like what has to happen to get there. So just like applying and registering and all that kind of stuff. Cause I was just, I've done so many other like citizen comps, but I was like, I don't even know what this is about. Yeah. So <laughs> they kind of like shepherded me on, but I was like this lone Island. Like everybody that was on the team for ACG was like in New York or Chicago. So when I went to nationals, that was the first time I have ever met an adaptive climber period. And I met 84 of them. It was amazing. What do you mean they were all in New York and Chicago? So a lot of, so a lot of people who have like impairments, they tend to typically live in cities because of the accessibility factors. So there's a huge concentration of adaptive climbers in New York and like Chicago and Boston. Uh But out here in like the Midwest and West coast, it's, it, dwindles off pretty dramatically oh that's crazy yeah okay so you you what did they tell you like how did they um how did they help you kind of get get into the swing of things and then what was your experience with like preparing for nationals and qualifying for it and all that good stuff yeah so yeah, it was pretty, pretty simple. I mean, just a lot of like medical documentation and then um does that mean you have to like prove oh yeah absolutely Yeah, you gotta have medical documents that prove that you have the impairment you claim to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think for me it was like a lot of like being able to just communicate with other teammates that had been to nationals before, like what to expect, um, how the comp is set up, um, just getting the the deets on other people in your category. Um, but for training, I kind of 
took it pretty seriously. Like this is probably yeah. the second time in my life where I have trained like four to five days a week. Um, really dedicated myself did you, to did it. Did you have a coach? I worked with a solo? trainer. Yeah, I worked with a trainer, Chris Call, uh, at the front. Um, and so he helped me put a plan together based on some of like my weaknesses that I really knew I needed to dial in and then just like help me with overall fitness. Like prior to a lot of this, like more serious competition climbing, I totally like just fed what I was good at. I never like, Oh, <laughs> that's the safe way to know? go. Yeah, we all oh, fall yeah. into that. <laughs> yeah. I'm guilty. So I was like a vert slab like I loved that shit, but then <laughs> you put me on anything overhang and it was like, it was really sad to watch. So, did, did I, you, <laughs> and Whitney, did you have an interest in competitive sports, uh, before entering the, the climbing competition scene? Yeah. Yeah. Like the last three years I've been doing a lot of citizens comps. Yeah. Um, and just like totally love it. I feel like for me, that was like when I kind of pushed the boundaries yeah. and show myself like I could do more, like I'd send stuff that like just going to the gym on a regular sesh to like train for something outdoors. Like I would have probably never touched. So I loved that aspect of it. I loved the competitive nature of it. Um, and then it was just the community. So awesome. Like in comp settings, like it's my favorite. So I definitely was getting more and more into it, but I, I never really had aspirations technically to be like a national champ. Like I was just more like, this is going to be so cool. Yeah, silver world medalist. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and then it's like, what? <laughs> Dude, I mean, it, it, I, we're probably going to say this 10 million times, but I, I'm just so fucking psyched for you out of my head. It's yeah. so Because I, I mean, literally until um, I think your social media posted that you had won the national mm-hmm. paraclimbing championship, I was like, what the mm-hmm. f- fuck is Whitney <laughs> doing in the paraclimbing? Yeah. Like, why... <laughs> How, what happened? Like I had no idea. I got idea. so many messages. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, wait, what? You can't see? I was like, yeah. So. That's a hell of a way to reveal something like, oh yeah, I won the national championship. I'm legally yeah. blind. I'm legally blind, by the way. <laughs> Fooled ya. Yeah. Yeah. You I just. Got, I got good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Whitney. I got good at fooling people. Yeah. Yeah. You are I was just, talented at it. So, <laughs> so you had to qualify for nationals, right? No. So at, at this point, okay. So at this point, like paraclimbing, adaptive climbing, it's such like a new thing that is like exploding at this point. We don't have qualifications for nationals. Okay. I do think in like the next couple of years, I mean, it's like, it's grown 10 times. Like I think the first nationals they had, there were like six people that showed up and six years later, there's 84. Like I definitely think it's going towards where, you know, you'll have to qualify. But at this point, um, if you, if you have an impairment that fits one of the categories that, that they, uh, they allow, you can show up and see how you do. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that has something to do with inclusion, right. Too for, yep, especially people who, um, are like a recent amputee or something because there are mm-hmm. like a, a bunch of different divisions, right? There's yep. yeah. um, amputees and neurological and yep. I don't seated know. and then vision VI. And there are different striations of each. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, there's like three different levels. So it's like uh, it's like more able bodied to less able bodied. Um, so like for like 
visual, so visual impairment, like they have three different categories where like B1 is like completely blind. So a lot of times they actually will blindfold the climbers. B2 is like legally blind with a certain percentage of restricted field of vision. And then B3 is legally blind as well, but with a a greater field of vision. Mm -hmm. And you're B2. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I classified. Okay. So Uh let's pump the brakes (laughs) right there. And hit the rewind button and go back to um, kind of the beginnings of it. It is macular degeneration, right? It's a bunch of things, but yes, it's most similar to macular degeneration. Can you describe it real quick? Like what macular degeneration is, or what what no. exactly that is, but uh, more so what precisely. Um, you, ex- you, yeah, you experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the best way I describe it is it's, I mean, it's so different for each competitor, but for me, it's like, if you took, like you spray painted out, like right in the center of like, let's say like goggles, you just spray painted out the center, like completely black. Uh-huh. And then you went underwater. Jesus. So it's like, I have no central vision especially like in my left eye, I have almost no vision. I just have a little bit of peripheral. And then my right, all my central's gone, but then the peripheral I have is distorted. So it's kind of like being underwater. Okay. Yeah. I saw um, the TV spot you did. I think it was in Phoenix um, with the local TV guy and they did a special on you. By the way, that like for a local TV station, that was a, bombs that was good <laughs> like he yeah, did, he did a so really good job but yeah, he described been... it as putting a piece of black tape mm-hmm. on glasses that almost entirely covered the glasses yeah okay yeah so i have about i guess in my what's left in my visual field i have about five percent and then of that it's slightly distorted wow. so Holy and it's been a it's been a, a slow kind of degeneration mm-hmm. right like when did it start uh, really becoming an impact on your life Um, so I think, so it started when I was 13, but I don't think it really like started impacting my life until I was about 17. I lost vision in my, my, almost my full right eye or left eye, excuse me, when I was 13. And then when I was 17, it started happening in my right. Mm -hmm. What was, um, what was the experience of losing the vision in your left eye when you were 13? Like, did you just wake up one day and it was gone? Mm -hmm. Was it a slow burn? Like, yeah, to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to tell the quote unquote story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, with the left eye, it was definitely, uh, it was like immediate. Like I remember waking up and I went to school and I like couldn't see down the hall very well. Yeah. And like within like a couple of days, I couldn't see the board. And so being a dumb teenager, I didn't mention uh, things for a couple of days, you know, yeah. like, it's Oh, this is totally to right. Yeah. Just rub like my that. eyes. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I, you know, you parents take you to the ophthalmologist and they do all the tests and the lady had me do a test where you like cover your eye and you follow the pen Mm -hmm. just to make sure that you have full range of vision. And when I cover, I hadn't really realized this, but when I covered my right eye, like the world disappeared. Oh my God. And so she was trying to have me follow this pen and I thought she was playing a joke on me. I'm like, dude, the pen isn't there. (laughs) Oh man. And she started like panicking and I was like, wait, that's not a good thing. <laughs> 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's totally 
out of the scope for a 13 year old to even like yeah even know is a possibility like no yeah how do you wrap your brain around that you're still playing that game like would you rather be (laughs) invisible or would you rather fly would you rather be blind or would you you know what i mean oh yeah for sure and then to have have it crash on you that way yeah so it was just like it's kind of like a whirlwind but i don't think it really like hit me hit me Cause I still had like full function out of my right eye and I was like, dude, whatever. I still got another eye. Like (laughs) (laughs) very positive even back then. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and I remember a story of you, uh, washing your face. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember exactly what happened. So that was when I was 17. That's when I lost most of the vision in my right eye. That was pretty traumatic. Uh, Yeah. I just like regular morning, you know, you get up, go into school, go to wash my face. And I went to go look in the mirror and I couldn't see my face. And I think that was, that was the first time that like, you know, that panic like hits you. Yeah. Especially when you're 17, you're Yeah. Like you can grasp what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like got the driver's license for a year, you know, like getting independent and now yeah. I'm looking in the mirror and I can't, can't see my face. Like I couldn't see any words on the books that I, you know, like anything, the pages looked blank. Like that was, that was a pretty quick, like reality slap. Yeah. Um, I think that was the first time where I really felt like it seriously like impacted me. And I realized what this could mean for like my mm-hmm. life and like Absolutely. how it could change it. What was your immediate <sighs> reaction to that? Like what, what, did, what steps did you take right after that, after that moment? Yeah. Um, like slight panic, a lot of eye rubbing, like this yeah. can go away. Yeah, right. I have a floater. I it must be a floater. Yeah. yeah. I can just rub it away. Um, but yeah, no, that, that very day, like I ended up spending, I think it was like six to eight hours at an eye specialist who then yeah. referred me to a specialist specialist. Um, and I ended up at OHSU, which is like a health university in Oregon. And, um, I was with the best of the best. Um, and for about five to six years, they tried to like fight to keep as much vision as I could have. Um, you underwent chemotherapy, right? Say what? You underwent chemotherapy to help keep that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my freshman year of college. They had kind of deducted. I mean, it was hard for them to figure out like what actually was going on and they thought it was immune related. Yeah. So they thought if they could suppress my immune system, oh. I might be able to keep my vision long enough to get through college uh, without having to go to like, you know, the school for the blind. Right. Um, which would have been a pretty dramatic change. Um, so yeah, for like nine months, I did chemotherapy, which Jesus. sucks. Yeah. I like lost all the hair in like the front of my head and like lost like 15 pounds and I slept a lot. It was not fun. Oh man, how confusing too with people coming up to you and be like, "Hey, do you have cancer?" You know, just yeah. like, "No, I'm just trying to save my eyesight." Actually, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, confusing which, for everybody, right? I mean, it's, it was confusing for me. Oh yeah. my god, I can't imagine. Well, what sucks is you're losing your eyesight, and you're also experiencing one of the, like the most probably uncomfortable mm-hmm. physical. Uh, treatments you can undergo at the same time that is just how long did that go on for how long did the chemo go on for so about nine months and then i i called it off i was like i i just couldn't just like in my mind at that point that time we start to question things in life i sit there thinking like every week i have to go get my kidneys and livers checked and i can't live without those 
Yeah. But I can live without my eyeballs, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, this isn't adding up. Like, I'm kind of over this. <laughs> yeah, it's just destroying your body by trying to save your eyesight, right? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I got a little stubborn, pushed back, and I was like, dude, I'm enough of this. Like, I'll take, I'll take the losses with the eyesight and have a healthy body. And how were your parents with that? They were not super happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> They definitely pushed back, but they came around, you know, I think, I think especially when they saw like the morale change in me and the lifestyle change once I was off the chemo. So they got super supportive after that. Awesome. And you guys have a good relationship. Oh yeah. They are. They, they drove from Arizona to Ohio to watch me compete in nationals. And when I won, my dad cried and my dad's not a crier. So they were super, super proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Really supportive. (laughs) That's great. Seeing your dad cry is a a very strange experience. Yeah, it is. And wonderful experience. Yeah. It it made it like so much better. Yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so let's. You have a question, Feedy. Yeah, so I guess how did you get into climbing? Yeah. That that is all a girlfriend's fault. Um Yes. She we had just like I was in college and I was getting back to like my outdoor roots, grew up very outdoorsy. But like as I entered my teens, I kind of like revolted against that. Um <laughs> decided I was gonna be like a city person, which that didn't work out. Um, and so, you know, getting into camping, going out skiing, like doing all these things. And she's like, dude, you got to come out and try climbing. And I was like, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I like knew what it was, but I didn't really wrap my brain around it. And so they brought a bunch of gear. We went out camping, froze our asses off. <laughs> Where were you? Real, we were in Phoenix, Arizona. And we went to the pond. The it's like pond. a local, local crag. Yeah. It's oh out my east. God those nights where you're just slaying and it's just cold and you can't, you know, you're not going to yeah. sleep and it's like nope. five hours before the sun's coming out. Those are some of the most trying times. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was a weenie. So I totally copped out yeah. and I walked back to the car No, <laughs> and I woke up every hour and turned it on. Yes. yes I like your style. <laughs> you know what? You got to do what you got to do to keep your toes on your body. Seriously. Uh, yeah. I'm, was a weenie but Whitney we both support that yeah 100% <laughs> if that is being a weenie yeah I, I'm, I'm a there weenie I'm a well. giant weenie yeah yeah that was so I woke up like a little bit better off than everybody else but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah they 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 brought me all the gear they took me out I got on this climb called a date rape it's like a five <laughs> eight oh. yeah oh interesting mm. okay classic you Jesus. know like they did it right uh <laughs> like this 80 foot climb on volcanic tuft which i will mind you for never having rock climbed or been on rock before it's like the worst rock you could ever get on i played my fingers like but i they just like you know i hang dogged and i I, but i got up to the top like freaking i came down with like six flappers bleeding but i was on this high like yeah I couldn't believe the way it like made me feel. I was immediately addicted. Like they taped up my fingers. I was like, I'm doing it again. Like that is <laughs> awesome. Dude. And you had no fear. Uh, no. Did you like struggle oh, with the fear of heights? I had crazy fear. Like I had okay. all this things the whole way up, but I don't know. Getting to the top. It, I, I don't know. It wasn't even like, I don't, I don't know even how to explain it, but I just like immediate addiction. Like, and then they told me you could do this inside during the <laughs> week. And I was like, my mind was blown. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's just a thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then yeah, kind of became a gym rat for a while. Got out as much as possible yeah. whenever I could. Like my senior year, I actually was like a fifth year senior in college. Mm-hmm. So I had, too. yeah, you know, it's the way to do it. But <laughs> I had, <laughs> I had minimal classes. I had like a studio class, and that's it. So I would spend four day weekends go down to Mount Lemon and just like lived there four days out of every single week with like a girlfriend. And we just like climbed our brains out. It That's was awesome. Were you mostly climbing at like uh, Mount Lemon, like Priestra, Queen Creek? Was that still open? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All those, all those fancy areas. And climbing with the, the first time you went climbing, I mean, it must've been also really hard to just like, grasp like okay here's a harness you're gonna put it on we're tying this knot you're just you're just gonna go just (laughs) find a way yeah (laughs) like learning learning to like trust your friends like okay you guys know what you're doing right i'm scared shitless like (laughs) that's a way to say it yeah like so scared i love your story that's like pretty much i think when you when you talk to anyone who's been climbing very seriously they're like always have that story like yeah i went and i immediately yeah i was just hooked it you know it's it yeah this is this is what i've been looking for it's a transformative experience i mean everybody who's going to listen to this and of course both of us sitting right here and your fiance i didn't know that by the way congratulations that's yeah another thing i forget to share (laughs) yeah i totally didn't know i saw oh yeah it was on that news broadcast that i watched i was like Oh my God, they're engaged. I know. I have like friends I've been friends with like for like 20 years and they're like, you're engaged. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you. <laughs> Dude, you, you got to get better at this. Hopefully we're going to blow your cover with this podcast. This will be great. We'll just get it all out there and you can share this with yes. all your friends. Fantastic. <laughs> just keep forwarding it. There's all the shit I haven't told you over the last 12 years. <laughs> so bad okay so you have that first climbing experience to become a gym mm-hmm. rat you're like mm-hmm. cruising mount lemon and pre-straw um kind of where fill in the spot between that time when you just fell in love with the lifestyle yeah until kind of nationals what was going on in your life through that period and oh, like man. how your eyesight um i imagine yeah. it continued to kind of degrade yeah Yeah. So the first time I climbed, my eyesight was like 20 over 80, which you can't drive at that point, but like, I still had a pretty great range of vision. Uh Um, like could get by on most of my classes, you know, didn't have to definitely not as as now. Um, and it's slow. So it slowly degraded over the years to where it is now. So I had, I had quite a few good years in there where I could see pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and during those years, like, so I was in there, I think, so when I first started climbing, I was in Arizona. And then for about a year, I was in the Bay area. And I climbed mostly in the gym out there. Um, didn't get outside too, too much until I came back to Arizona. And then I spent like four years out here just hitting up all like the same, you know, local crags, um, started traveling a little bit more, like going to Red Rocks and Bishop and, you know, like tower. And, uh, that's when I was like, dude, this is, this needs to be my life. Like, this is like, I lived for like my weekends and my trips. Like that's what got me through. 
Um, and then I met this this fancy cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that guy. Yeah. And uh, he decided he wanted to like take route setting a little bit more seriously and got a job in the Bay. And I was like, you will not be able to live there on the salary <laughs> you're making. <laughs> I was like, you're crazy. He's like, I'll be fine. I'm like, no, you won't. And after a long night of research, he's like, I, I won't be able to live out there. I was like, don't you. <laughs> no <laughs> it's fucking stupid way. expensive. Yeah. So that's when we bought a van. Oh, wow. And okay. Yeah. So for two years, like we lived in the Bay. We lived out back of Planet Granite, Sunnyvale. Like that was home base. And I mean, we climbed all over Utah, um, all over, like, you know, in the Sierras. Is this uh, when we was, met you? Yes. Okay. Yep. I think, I think we met you, I think our first long trip to Utah. We were there for like three weeks. Yeah. That and, was 2014 uh, or 15. Yeah. Quite a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, just climbed our brains out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then after a couple of years, that wonderful man decided that he wanted to go oh. back to school. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> Right? I was like, ah, oh, little bookworm. Okay. So, <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. Yeah. So we moved back to Flagstaff for, I don't know, four to six-ish months um, and kind of like figured out where we were going to go from there. And that's when we came back to Phoenix. Um, and then about two years there, I was just like so ready to, I don't know, be closer to mountains. Yeah. and. Like after being in Utah, I was just like so blown away about just with the diversity of climbing from, you know, south to north. And then when we went to go visit Utah, dude, I was like, this is crazy. Like I've been to Colorado and climbed and the accessibility is great there. But you guys, the canyon is like 15 minutes from my front door. 15. And you guys are talking to like the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, the debate rages, you know, what's the best climbing state? You got mm-hmm. Colorado, California, and um, Utah. Pretty much yeah. everything's better than Iowa, so. Yeah. <laughs> you got to bring up Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> it's like, man, like there's a boulder in North Dakota. Um, <laughs> there's a rock over there. Let's climb Yeah, Utah is pretty tough to beat, especially for the variety you're going to get, like world-class yeah. splitters. Joe's Valley, St. George. I mean, it's just like, it's, it, oh, Cottonwood, of course. Yeah, Cottonwood, you got your granite, like, and the granite changes as you go up the canyon. It's just, yeah, it's super cool. And it's just great. It's a great, like, training ground. Like, if you want to train for Yosemite granite, like, you go to a little Cottonwood, you know, mm, if you want to. Totally. Oh, I don't my know. God. It's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty. And it's so central, too, right? You can get to, you can get to, the Sierras, you can get to Red Rocks, you can get to Colorado, you That's can get awesome. to Arizona, New Mexico. It's like all within yeah. like a decent amount of time. I'm a, we're going to get excommunicated if we talk too much more. Like we're going to get kicked out of Colorado <laughs> if we agree with you too much. So, Whitney, what's your favorite type of rock to climb on? Oh, man. Okay. So immediately, like, I'm like, oh, sandstone. But I have like this love hate relationship with granite. Like, uh-huh. you said you're some- a slab climber. So. The the granite lends itself. (laughs) It's like scary though. It's fucking super scary. Yeah. What is, what is projecting like for you? How Uh, do you find a project? Yeah. So that is something that I've had to like learn to own. Like I, for a long time, like I would get on something, you know, like, and you're like hanging out with everybody and like you're falling on the first move 
And maybe because like for me, like dynamic moves are really hard. So Mm -hmm. like if there's a move that's really dynamic, it is going to take me 10 times longer than everybody else. And I've had to learn to own that. And that like learning to own that and being like, you know, like when people give you that look, like, should you really be touching this project? Like Uh, kind of look like you're struggling. Jeez. (laughs) I just had to learn to be like, you know what, dude, like (laughs) I got this. Give me 10 more tries, you know? (laughs) So I've had to really like learn to own that to like really wrap my head around like projecting stuff that isn't my style. And in the last two years, I feel like my projecting has like gone to like this whole nother level just because I've had to learn to like, no, it's just going to take me 10 times longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really, this is like so weird, but I love highball boulders. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't know why. Um, and so for me, like being able to repel off something is like so crucial mm-hmm. to just like figure out and suss out everything before I get up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, projecting, it's like, especially higher grades, like it is, it's not like a seasonal thing. It's like usually a couple seasons it'll take me to get something, but it's like so gratifying when oh I finally send, like, <laughs> yes. I just know I'm yeah. like the snail, you know, and I've just learned to own that. But Dude, slow and steady wins the race. The turtle, yeah. the, the tortoise and the hare taught us that. The struggle yeah. is the same for, for everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I, I had when I first met you, because, you know, we were all out in Bishop, and I, I mm-hmm. know if you're climbing at the Milks, mm-hmm. generally you're climbing high balls. I mean, even if it's like uh, King Tut, right? Yeah. That's, still gets a little, little dicey. Yeah, it's still a little dicey at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, like, do you lead? Uh-huh. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, how, I just I mean, have to, like... I have to have the clips called out to me because I'll totally okay. skip them. Yeah. I'll oh totally my gosh. Skip them. Yeah. And you can see that out of your periphery when you're, you can see the, the bolt. Usually sometimes I struggle on granite and I'll have to, they'll have to describe like where the bolt is. Cause mm-hmm. if the lighting's bad, I'm like, are you sure there's a bolt here? Oh. <laughs> they'll just completely blend in. But it's like cl- climbing at a uh, Tuolumne on a sunny day when like mm-hmm. the rock is sparkling and you like climb 30 feet past your bolt. Oh my yep. God. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's step into, uh, the world championship here a little bit. So yeah, you become a national <laughs> champion. You're yeah. like, I don't know about this whole competition thing. And like a couple <laughs> months later, you're literally the national champion. Mm-hmm. Um, take us from there. Yeah. So I didn't even, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even know that like qualified me for worlds. That's how naive I was. <laughs> it's very sudden. <laughs> so so afterwards they're like, you need to attend this meeting because this qualifies you to be on the USA climbing team. I'm like, say what? Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like what amazing great news. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I just scored the lottery and I didn't even buy a ticket. Like this is crazy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I, it was kind of like a, yeah, a whirlwind. Um, yeah. So yeah. So got us on the USA paragliding team was like so stoked. Um, oh, hey, I'm going to stop you real quick. Your mic is a little bit close again. Oh, darn it. Like probably keep hear, smacking it. We can hear your s- super creepy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so sorry to stop you. Okay. Carry no, on. Is that better? Are we good? That's way better. Okay. Way better. I talk with my hands, so I'm probably like smacking it close enough. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, right after that, I went straight back into training. Um, and I probably say like a month in, I got a little burnt out because training is like, it's hard. It's kind of soul sucking at some point. Mm-hmm. You're talking like full on training. We're not just talking yeah. going to the gym. No, no, no. You have a program. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I'm climbing my brains out, training my brains out. Um, and it just started to like affect climbing outside. And as much as I love comp climbing, like it just, it's no match to climbing outside. So I think a little bit of that, like rebellious nature in me was like, you know what? I'm not going to climb. I'm not going to climb today. And I'm just going to go blow my brains out outside. And like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I definitely got a little off track. Um, well, it's and freaking to- terrible how like um, <laughs> climbing outside is in this day and age and like the, in the competition mm-hmm. scene is like detrimental yeah. to your performance in a it competition. It's, ah, oh, man, that, that's got to be such a struggle. Yeah, they just they just like don't quite line up the way you want them to. No, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I definitely got off a little bit, but then had to I reeled it back in because, you know, that daunting like idea of like showing up and not being prepared or feeling like we (laughs) (laughs) that'll scare you back into training totally your ass off um yeah so i mean just got ready i got a little bit sick right before the competition there are like two weeks where i got like the flu and then got like really bad cold and i just like you start to like panic a little bit but you're like i got this my body's (laughs) it's in there you know like i just gotta i gotta trust it um so we showed up like, I think it was like six days before qualies in Innsbruck, Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just had some light climbing days, you know, me and Sean really dialed in like our calling technique to make sure we were on the same page. Tried to, the one thing I tried to do is orient myself with the holds over there. Um, what does that mean? Such, so for me, like knowing the type of like the most, like no, under, I guess so. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. So there's so many different types of holds in a climbing gym, right? And in Europe, there's so many different brands that we're not exposed to over here. Oh, oh sure. That's interesting. And so for me, like being familiar, I have to like memorize like every hold I've ever touched or like a series of yeah. holds. I know the way they feel or the way that like you could potentially use them or where the sweet spot is. Yes. And so for me, I spent like two, almost three days just trying to touch as many holds as I could in the gym, just to familiarize myself with what I might be getting myself into because I hadn't touched so many of them before. And, um, that's, that's like half the battle. That's really good like. foresight, dude. I mean, yeah. I guess you have to do that, right? It's yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. Cause like, you know, if he's telling me to like this is going to be a bigger move to like our left hand crimp. If I know the hold, the crimp type, I'll know exactly mm-hmm. like how hard I have to go to how soft, if I can be a little bit sloppy or if I'm going to, you know, like it definitely allows me, or if it'll be like a rest hold. So it allows me to just kind of like evaluate and, uh, helps us relate. So when he's trying to describe the climb mm-hmm. to me, when we're, you know, previewing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can like visualize and know exactly how that hold's going to feel and how I'm going to be able to move off it depending on the angle and what have you. And so let's stop for a second and, and talk about Sean's kind of, uh, as your yeah. teammate. So he speaks to you through like a mic and earpiece mm-hmm. helping you navigate the route. Yeah. So what's yeah. he allowed to tell you? Yeah. So basically it's like, 
distance, size, and what's the last one? The direction. Hold. Ah. Oh, the yeah. direction of the, of the particular yep. hold. Yep. So, you know, he can be like, so a lot of times, so we'll preview the route and he can give me anything he wants. He can just overload me with beta, hold type, direction, wind to rest, all that kind of stuff. So we'll just like plan out the whole entire thing. Um, and then when I'm on the wall, he can, all, that's all he can give me is he can give me, you know, how far it is, um, what direction I need to go. And then if it's like a small, if it's a, you know, a crimp or a sloper, um, give me an idea of like how big the hold that I'm going to is. So it's pretty, pretty restrictive when you're actually on the wall. No beta. No beta. And he yeah, cannot that's considered... forerun the route, right? Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. So that's, that's why it's great that he's a route setter. Cause yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the quality, you cheater. Whitney, you cheater. <laughs> the quality of your teammate in that is huge. Oh, it is. And that's the one thing that I think is like a misconception with like VI climbers. Like your caller is an athlete. Like you yeah. gotta have somebody who knows how to read routes, who can give you great direction, who is a climber. Uh, Cause if you have Joe Schmo come off the street, like you're just not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna make it there. as far as you would. Uh, you know, so Absolutely. it's like an athlete duo. It's not, I'm the athlete and he's my caller, you know? We're yeah. Both. It's kind of, it's a team. Oh, big time. I love it. That's, um, that's one of my favorite parts here. I mean, I know Sean and he's mm-hmm. like the most wonderful guy. Um, he is super good. I mean, he'd comport himself well in the qualifying rounds of the world cup for God's sake. <laughs> strong, strong future hubby. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you guys are kind of like, you're learning the holds. Um, mm-hmm. You're getting your team together and you're in Innsbruck. Like what was the, yeah. were, were you overwhelmed at all? Um, this seems like a whirlwind trip you're on. Yeah. I mean, it was overwhelming in like the best way possible. Yeah. Like I have never been in a city where like literally there's this event going on and like everybody you meet is a climber. Everybody's oh, wow. all about climbing. Like it was, it's... it was, it was so rad. Like you drive through the town, there's all these little like plazas and little like things that are popped up and they're all climbing related like all over the city it's plastered about like you know the world championships in innsbruck it was just everywhere wow um it was yeah it was so trippy and the gyms there are just like insane like that uh, is totally something that's so different than in the u.s uh i feel like in the u.s climbing is still such a fringe Mm -hmm. sport whereas in europe it's been kind of a common common thing for a long time they've had sponsored yeah. athletes years ahead of the u.s but yeah don't they have like a statue of killian fish and on a stir in like the town center of Innsbruck? i wouldn't doubt it i got to meet him by the way oh, we borrowed yeah. his pads it was so cool oh my gosh he's that is a really super cool. down-to-earth yeah. guy um, so rad yeah so rad. that's awesome yeah i mean i imagine yeah. you go to the bar there and like <laughs> Adam Andra buys you a beer. You're like, I, 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 I. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, thank you. Not Very... that Adam Andra drinks. I don't know anything about Dude, that. He, but anyway. I bet he rages, man. <laughs> okay. So you're <laughs> in the book and you're, pre- you're, you're prepping for that. the championship or for the, uh, yeah, world champions. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us about the beginning of the event. Oh my gosh. So I like, okay. So I was talking to my buddy Justin about this. We both were like, are you nervous? He's like, I don't know. Is that Justin Salas? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. 
Yeah. He, so yeah, we were both talking and we both, I was just like, I feel super confused. Like I'm not nervous, but like, I know something big's coming. And it wasn't until we both had like the same experience. It wasn't until I got on my first route that literally it like hit me. I was like, Oh my God. It hit you while you were on the first route. <laughs> yes. It That's was like right after I got through, like, you know, they, they, they're really nice to us paraclimbers. They usually kind of set like a ladder the first couple moves. So at least you get off the ground because sure. we don't want anybody to deck, which I think is very valuable mm-hmm. and really good route setting. <laughs> Absolutely. So right, right after I got off the first couple moves and I got to like, you know, a little bit more of the, the climb, it like hit me like, Oh my gosh, I'm at qualifiers for the world champion in Innsbruck, Austria. Like, <laughs> ah! And like, yeah, that's when it like hit me, hit me after that first route. Um, got a little bit of Elvis legs, like had to breathe it out. <laughs> Heart <laughs> pumping. Yeah. Like don't slip, don't fall. Like, you know, that whole thing goes through your brain. Nothing like getting um, Elvis leg on a world stage. No. <laughs> Just nothing like that. Yeah. I was lucky though. And I was the first one out. So nobody really had known it started. So I was like, all right, whew. <laughs> you know like got that over with nobody saw any of that we're good <laughs> that's kind of nice that, yeah that takes the pressure away yeah i actually i prefer that if anybody's listening and you can pick the line up put me first like yeah, the right. way to know <laughs> i'll always go first um yes, <laughs> so obviously you crushed it the yeah first, first time was super chill yeah okay yeah first time super chill then i had a two and a half hour wait for my second climb, oh, mm-hmm. which kind of sucked because it fell into night and they had mm-hmm. lights up, but the lighting wasn't as ideal as you'd want it. Sure. Um, I had to rely on Sean a lot more than I typically do on my second route. Um, the second route was really chill. Um, they they uh, they threw some slopers, which were my nemesis. Oh, man. Oh. They threw you're not blast. alone, Whitney. You have to learn, learn to blast. love. Yeah. Learn to love. I'm, t- I'm trying to. It's still like a love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. So I made it. I think I got like plus 30-something on my second route because the last three holds were slopers. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to have to tap out. I don't even know how to like move off this. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which was, I guess, it was good enough to put me in second going into final. So oh my God, that great. was pretty rad. Yeah. And then finals is the next day. Yeah, my finals was the next day. So how was how was that first night after your competition? What were the feelings kind of swirling in your head? Yeah, I, it, I, I'm I'm I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm I'm so curious because I I just I can't stop thinking about like just months before this, you didn't even know what adaptive climbing was. <laughs> And now you're like a national champion, and then all of a sudden you're at the world world championship, Austria. I mean, this is literally blowing my mind. (laughs) It kind of blew mine too. Yeah, talk about that night and like you and Sean. What did you talk about? Did you sleep well? Were you nervous? Excited? Yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of. So I think initially after I got off that second route, um one of the Japan teammates came up and told me like, Oh, great job. Like, congratulations. Like, cause I had at that point put me in first and there was only one more climber to go. So I knew like I made finals and that's when it kind of hit me. And I had like a kind of a girly moment with like a little bit of like a high shriek and like, Oh my God. <laughs> as, as you should, as you should. That's not a girly moment. That's yeah. just a human, yeah, moment. Yeah, human moment. I've had the high shriek before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit of hugging, you know, for me and John. And we were like, all right. 
And I think by the time we got back to the house, you know, we both like head back in the game, like, all right, like, you know, like this, this is, this is what like we came for. This was our goal. Like I wanted to make it to finals. So it just kind of like got a little bit more real, but like in a little bit scarier way. <laughs> yeah. Almost surrealistically real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, it was kind of crazy. So I thought I was going to be super nervous, but day of finals, like, you know, you show up isolation, um, me and, uh, Mo Beck climbed in the morning. Uh-huh. So we were kind of like warming up together and like, I don't know. I just felt, I just felt really centered oh, and it, great. it didn't like take me by surprise. Now that I look back, I'm like, I can't believe I wasn't like shitting my pants, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've already talked about that full circle full circle we can't talk about shitting anymore we 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 have a contract with our producers further with that but (laughs) yeah it was just it was so crazy like you know being back behind waiting to climb like it just everything just felt good everything felt connected i felt centered um i think the only part that caught me off guard is they walk you up on the stage right and introduce Mm -hmm. you all the athletes that are going to climb and I think being on that stage with like the routes behind us and like the whole crowd, like I had to like fight back crying. I was like, this is so oh, crazy. Like, gosh. I think that like hit me, like, you know, <sighs> that was, that was almost like good enough for me. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need to climb. Like being on this stage was prize enough, sick. you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really, it's kind of crazy how like centered and everything hit me afterwards for sure. Yeah. So you performed in a centered mindset. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, and I, I had actually worked with a mindset coach prior to, um, and I think just like all that, like kicked in, you know? Yeah. Like being like a centered. sports psychologist? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, we, we worked on a lot of like attaching emotions to gestures so I had a couple oh, gestures that helped mm-hmm. me like be centered or like feel Zen or, and I think just being able to like tap into those just didn't allow for like Man. any nervousness or like unfocused energy to like kind of wiggle its way in. That type of mentality coaching is I think super underappreciated in competitive sports. I totally agree. Cause I totally, totally you're agree. on that stage. You have the nerves, your heart's pounding. If you're not able to reel that in, in some capacity, like that's just going to cost you. I don't know. That's no, it's make or break yeah. like a hundred percent. Like we had some, we had some, I mean, we saw some people where that's totally like what happened. They're totally capable climbers, but that's, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I worked with a sports psychologist for a, a year of my former athletic career. And, uh, <laughs> dude, it is, uh, unbelievable what they tap into. Yeah. Especially like how you deal with what, uh, the perception of failure, right? Mm-hmm. Like mid competition. Yeah. They, it, it's just, they give you the tools to reel yourself straight out of like a nosedive that you're doing. Yeah. Oh man, that's great. Yeah. We, I mean, she worked with me. I mean, even like visualizing and talking through like the worst case scenarios. Yes, exactly. And then how do you, how do you make that a positive thing? So even if you walk away from the wall, and like she hit the fan, it still is like this positive experience, which then takes away that fear 
of shit hitting the fan, you know? Yeah. God, and it doesn't awesome. creep in and like, yeah, totally over overcome your, your mindset. Um, so you're, how do you find out that you, do you know, going into your last climb that you're a medalist? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this. I want to, I want to, let's get to the frosting on top of the cake. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I was super stoked to climb the climb. Like Sean described it to me and he's like, babe, it's going to be like three dimensional climbing, (laughs) climbing on these like crazy cones. Like you're totally going to love it. And I was like, all right, all right, let's do this. You know, like super stoked. And we get up there and like, I don't think I've ever been in, a situation like this where literally he's like he's telling me there's a foot behind me and i'm like Whoa. what like <laughs> what I does this mean <laughs> like i'm trying to wrap my brain around like the like and i'm like i'm looking i'm looking and finally i'm like oh my gosh there's like a foot behind me. Like, <laughs> like out facing the crowd oh, it, was, it was the route setters did such an amazing mm-hmm. job it was such a fun climb um like learned so much about my climbing through that mm-hmm. climb, which is like the best, um, awesome. to walk away with something, something from it. Um, but yeah, so climb the climb, uh, fall at like, I think it was like 35 moves in or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had no idea where I stood, but you know what? Like once I fell off the wall, I just like, I remember telling myself no matter what happens, like, I'm just going to be stoked that I got to climb, mm-hmm. you know? I made it this far. I got to like touch the final route. Yeah. So I was just like, so stoked. Um, came down, went backstage, like me and Sean were talking and he had been listening to the other climbers and he's like, I don't know like what position we're in, but like, we'll just find out. And then, uh, another climber came up and like, gave me a big hug. I was like, congratulations. Like you should be so proud. So that's when I was like, wait, did I, am I like meddling? Like proud of what? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was like tripping. I was like, what's going on? Oh my gosh. Um, and so that's when we listened to Adelaide who, or not Adelaide, um, Abby, uh-huh. who took the gold. We listened to her climb. Um, and then they started like issuing and lining us up. And then when they lined me up, uh, and then Abby came off the stage and she came at first, that's when I realized, oh my God, like I'm getting a metal. Like, oh my gosh. This is, that's when it, I think that's when everything like fell like away and it all came rushing in. And then I like started crying and I couldn't stop. <laughs> well, yeah, let it out. I was even like getting during the flower ceremony. I was like trying to keep it together. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think as Dave put it, like going from, you went from like zero to a hundred so yeah. fast. That's yeah. amazing. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, it was like man. super overwhelming. Dude, mm-hmm. my face hurts from smiling. <laughs> and I knew this was going to happen. I'm like, I'm a verge of tears and smiling like a, Freak. Yeah. Um, it was so trippy. So you podium, you get yeah. silver at the world championships a couple yeah. months after you didn't know what adaptive climbing was. Just a yeah. normal trip to Austria. <laughs> yeah, um, nothing, yeah, nothing. So crazy. Wh- <laughs> so nuts. Um, so how is this? Uh, how have you kind of internalized what happened? I mean, you're fresh off it. Yeah. Um, how are you thinking about it now? How do you feel about climbing? How are you uh, energized and motivated to carry on? And, and what are your like goals going forward? Yeah. So right now, like I am just like stoked that it's bouldering season. Like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, buddy. 
Oh, so stoked. We got to go out a couple days after. Um, and I think that just like ignited the fire that I've been like suppressing to like get outside to just like stay motivated for the comp stuff. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, like that is all consuming. Like I've changed up my training plan to kind of like fit some of the projects that I have for this season. But like literally every, every second I have off, like I will be, I'll be on the rock. Um, and then as far as comp going, like, I'm gunning for gold next year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah. And, but it's gonna is be it in the Tokyo. World Championship? Or is it yeah, the World so, Cup? No, so they're doing a back-to-back. Oh, that's what I thought. the Olympics. Yeah, so and people so, can qualify, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be in Tokyo next year. Whoa, so, dude. Yeah, so I'm super excited for that. Um, so, yeah, so we'll have nationals this year. Tokyo, the World Championships again. And then I'm just... My goal is to just like try to attend adaptive categories are popping up more and more at local competitions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just trying to, as much as possible, try to attend those just to like bring more awareness, like, you know, kind of represent, like try to get the word out. Cause the, the word's been spreading and there are so many people out there who don't know about this or yeah. don't know that the community is so strong. And for me, it was like life changing. So Yeah. Well, I'd love to get out, get so, out and represent. So Whitney, um, this trip to Austria, mm-hmm. were, how, how did this, how were you supported? I guess, is there like a sponsorship or did you pretty much get yourself out there on your own? Yeah, it was mostly self-funded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So GoFundMe is, was like the ma- main source. Um, and then, you know, just like reaching out to as many you know, companies as I could. And they were super great, like sending me swag to be able to try to like raffle off or sell. Um, the adaptive climbing group that I was a part of, Mm -hmm. they were able to raise enough money to get some athlete houses for us. Oh, that's great. So that helped out a ton. Um, so that helped out with housing, but yeah, everything else we kind of had to kind of had to raise fundraise for, um, are you going to be doing that again for the 2019 Tokyo championships? Yeah. Definitely. Um, definitely. I probably have to. Um, Okay. We're going to get the word out right now. (laughs) So you don't have to do any work. Everybody's going to know 2019. We're going to do the hard work for you. Um, aren't you sponsored by Metolius as well? Yeah. I'm an ambassador for Metolius right now. Um, they've been super rad. Do they help you out monetarily at all? Not that, you know, I'm not judging. Yeah, no, not at this point. Um, but I am so open to that. Metolius, <laughs> Metolius, hey, hey get guys, on hey it. Guys, hey, hey, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Come on, Oregon people are nice. Get on it, Metolius. Yeah, I'm an I'm a, an Oregonian originally, so you know, Those I got the Oregon people. ooze, as Sean calls it. The Oregon people have to help the Oregon people. Yeah, because nobody else is going to help the Oregon people. No, we're, they have it we're too good. Strange bunch. You, you know? are really weird people. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a quote back to you, okay? That Mm -hmm. was on your GoFundMe page. Yeah. So you say, I have several goals I'm trying to achieve with this amazing opportunity. I want to bring more awareness to climbing and its amazing community of adaptive climbers. It would be amazing if adaptive climbing was a uh, more well-known sport. So other than like positively repping yourself and your country and your community at the comps, which you do well Mm -hmm. as... (laughs) 
as we've listened to for an hour, how else do you plan to like shine a light on the adaptive climbing community? Yeah. What are your other plans? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I've been attending. So Chris Call, who I also, he's like my trainer. He puts on a lot of adaptive events at a local climbing gym in Salt Lake City. And I've been attending those. Um, and I've actually been, it's been so crazy. So since I learned about adaptive climbing, all of a sudden I've been meeting all these adaptive climbers. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how did I not know you were here? Like, so it's been super cool. Like, uh, we met, uh, another VI climber. She comes in once in a while with her brother. Um, and Sean was like, dude, that chick has a cane. You got to go up and like say, Hey, so he walked me over there and like, I totally talked to her and we got her, we exchanged information just, just so just like on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, I've also been working with the Utah school for the blind. Um, and we've been trying to organize an event that either like it's something each term where they get to come into the gym and the gym is like been really awesome. The front climbing center, they've been like, or a climbing club, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. climbing club. Um, they've been willing to like donate, uh, their time and support to like help plan these events and try to get these kids in here and on the wall. Cause I think like, that's the brilliant thing about sport, like climbing, rock climbing is for people who are visually impaired or have impairments, like there's no balls flying at you. There's no like fast, crazy moving anything. Like yeah. it's at your own pace. Like it's right in front of you. It it's for all different ages, all different capabilities. Like you can tailor it to however you need. Mm -hmm. And I just think like the more we can show like the youth that are impaired, that this is like an amazing sport that, you know, if you dig it, you could totally excel in it. Like, I think like it could kind of change their lives. It could, sh it could show them that, you know, the yeah. impossible is possible yeah. kind of idea, you know? That's so that's kind of what I've been doing like uh, off the wall. Sure. In the adaptive community at the moment. And then, yeah, just like keeping my ear to the ground and trying to hear like what other programs are going on and just trying to get involved as much as possible. Have you ever met, have you ever met a gentleman named DJ Skelton, Major DJ Skelton. Mm -mm, no. So he's I this is just a weird coincidence, but today um I was listening to NPR and there was doing a special on this uh vet uh DJ Skelton who was retiring from the army, but he is a climber and he was severely injured uh during combat, but he also is spreading just he's taking uh, other adaptive climbers out and showing them he that, started Paradox with Timmy, right? I think you're right. Oh, yes. cool. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just, I think what you're saying is just so true that just showing people they can still go out there and challenge themselves and uh, just, I don't know. Freaking succeed. Yeah. Like succeed, kick yeah. ass yeah. at something. If you want to like, do it, you can do it. You know? Yeah, totally. You're not like it's possible. catching a 60 yard, trying to catch a 60 yard pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is like, you can freaking do this. It's totally attainable. Yeah. And I was lucky to like, I just came, I mean, the community is so supportive in general. And then I just had like awesome friends that were willing to like teach me to lead climb and like totally supportive of, of me, like pushing my limits and maybe scaring them a little, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just like learning how to communicate with me and like, you know, just like, just being really lighthearted about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I just like want to be able to give that back. Cause yeah. you know, it totally changed my life. So I want to, I want to give it back. That's awesome. I, I, we're running 
super long here, but okay. I, I got to cut, not for us. I, you got to get to sleep and we all got to get sleep, but I, I still, I have a couple questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, reading your GoFundMe page, knowing you a little bit, uh, I know you're kind of, you were like a solo trooper growing up. Like I'll do, I'll do shit my way. I'll do it my mm-hmm. way. I'm going to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, gaining or building trust and like vulnerability, mm-hmm. which are somewhat of the, kind of the same word, right? Trust and vulnerability. Um, yeah. asking for help maybe before you would have just trudged on alone. How has that experience been for you? Because I know you're super independent um, and that, that's got to be difficult. How has that journey been? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's not bad. It's just, I mean, I still struggle with it today. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like having a little bit of perspective, you know, having this impairment for over 17 years now, it, it's been somewhat of a blessing. Like when I look back at the person that I was prior to, I was independent to a point that probably was slightly unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I think if, you know, this impairment hadn't came into my life, I probably would have been somewhat disconnected to my family. I don't think I would have the rich relationships that I have with some of my longtime friends who've always been supportive and like helped me through a lot of this stuff. Um, so it's taught me a ton. It's, it's taught me how to communicate. It's taught me how to respect people and my relationships with them. And it's really taught me like, it's taught me what true friends are. Um, and, and, and how to be one in return. So, I mean, I still, I still struggle with it. You know, I have, I have good and bad times, but for the most part, like I'm, it's weird to say, I'm thankful that like, you know, this came into my life, but I kind of am. Yeah. I I think it made me like a better person. Dude, Whitney, that seeps through like everything you say, everything on your GoFundMe page. I have like 10 questions about that that I wanted to ask you because you say on your GoFundMe page, uh, it's crazy, but my vision loss has given me so many opportunities and blessings in life. Yeah. And the question that's almost verboten for someone like me to ask you is like, would you take it back? Or has this mm-hmm. uh, made your life, has this fulfilled your life more than possibly anything else could have? And yeah. I, I, I feel not good asking that question, but I think your attitude behooves me to do it. Yeah, no, that's definitely a question I get asked. Um, mm. And it's almost like hard to wrap my brain around. Yeah. It's been so long that sometimes like I don't know what I'm missing. And it came on so gradually that I, I was able to adapt so yeah. gradually um, that sometimes I think like it would, it would scare the shit out of me if like my vision came back. <laughs> I don't know if I'd know what to do with myself. Um, it'd take probably just as much time to adjust back to it. Um, but I mean, let's be real. If I, if I could get it back, I would take it back. But if you asked me if like I wanted this to happen to me, if I do it any other way or like if I'd ever wish this didn't happen, I'd probably say no. Like I'm glad that 
my life is the way it is, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, like I said, it gave me, it's given me so many opportunities. I've met so many amazing people. I've had so many amazing experiences. And when it all leads back to it, it's, it's because, you know, like I, I just had like a little bit of a different perspective because I can't see everything that everybody else can. I think there's something to be said about also your, your ability to kind of spin everything in a very, you're a very, you you come off as a very positive person. She is a very positive person. (laughs) I think your ability to just roll with it um, has been huge. I I got a dark side, you know, (laughs) there's ups and downs, but, but in the like in the overall like scheme of things, like, it's it was it was never like a negative thing. So, yeah, we all got our struggles too. You know yeah, what I mean? Man. Everybody's yep. fucking got a crucible to bear. Yeah. Well, um, let's leave it on that positive note. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, uh, dude, as a friend, first of all, thanks for doing this. It's, it's tough to do a podcast that doesn't exist yet. Wait, okay, these okay. jokers. Okay, Dave, I I I want to end on this positive note, but I have to I have I have to ask a question. We got another okay. question. Okay, yes. Here we go. Yeah. Winnie, what are some things that people say to you that whether it's out of ignorance or being mean? Going back to what you said earlier about the guy uh, or the people who would say like, "Are you sure this is a route for you?" <laughs> like, what are some things people say to you that they don't realize are just really obnoxious things to say? Yeah, what do the Trump supporters say to you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> I think I think so since like and this like is kind of a, since so many people like don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the the words getting out. Um I think more of it is just like the only thing I can think of is like a lot of the jokes that like a lot of close friends. Mm-hmm. Like they do so when I'm climbing outside, a lot of times like I'll I'll come up and I like, I'll like rub the rock, you know, like feel the rock to feel like all the different textures. Of course, yes. And, um, I just get a lot of, they call it, a lot of my close friends call it the blind man touch. And, uh, they're notorious for walking up to my face and like rubbing it <laughs> like <laughs> blind man touch. But I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is like, so like is when I'm like projecting something, people will be like, did you not like see that? that hold up there. Did you like not know that was yours? And I was like, and I've been, I've been working this problem with them for like 20 minutes uh-huh. and nobody thought to be like, Oh, Hey, like you keep cruxing out, but there's like a hole just to the left. Yeah. Like <laughs> Whitney, because probably, they don't fucking know you don't tell I know, them. I know, I know. But that's probably the, the only thing that like I can, <laughs> I can think of that, that happens that's on a good. very regular yeah. basis. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Congratulations yeah. again, Thank like so totally sincerely, Lynn. Lynn, say congratulations. <laughs> there we go. Yep. Thank you. Confirmed, um, confirmed. Congratulations. Yeah, for sure. We hope to see you soon too. I know. Do you guys I'd have any trips planned? Um, a lot of Joes. Oh, obviously. keep us uh, keep us posted. We'll be we'll yeah? be out there in October for sure. I'll be there. In oh, two sick! Weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Feedy yeah. will be there in two weeks. Yeah, I think we're going to spend a couple weeks down there, so. All right, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Bishop of the Weather is good, you know. You going back this round. year? Yeah, last year we didn't go. And, like, we spent every single Thanksgiving and New Year's for, like, the last three years there. And so it was it was sad. So I got to go back. 
Dude, I got 16 seasons under my belt there. I just can't do oh. it again. <laughs> I can't fucking I'm so do it jealous. That's where like, I met I Dave, I want to be too. able to say that. Like, well, like by t- the 12th season, you're like, uh, I mean, you don't climb it out, but you're pretty much like, I gotta yeah. get a lot fucking stronger if I'm gonna do any of these other problems. Well, I'm only at five, so I got like seven oh, more. Yeah, yeah so there's time. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about Joe's first of all. Thank you for coming on. Also, yeah. um, that was so inspiring. This is like oh, rid- ridiculously psyched. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. Same. Same. <laughs> Sweet. All right, buddy. Pleasure to meet you, Whitney. Yeah, you guys as well. Hopefully, yeah, let's see each other soon. Yeah, we'll see you in October. Get on the get out on the rock, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do it. <laughs> All, All right, right, Whitney. Guys. Good night. Thank Take you care. so much. Thank you got you. it. Thank you. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean left. Cause social injustice don't give my respect. Wowza, dude. What a story. It's bleeding I feel good. I feel good after listening to that. You look better than you did at the beginning i actually i'm not sure what happened but i lost you lost like 17 i lost like 17 pounds in that episode (laughs) yeah you do look really good thank you i you didn't found a way to gain a couple more pounds yeah my jowls are hanging down over my collar now feedy you were in joe's valley not too long ago and i believe that you ran into whitney yeah, it was super funny. I was hanging out at the Kill by Numbers Boulder, and or we went to the Kill by Numbers Boulder, and there was uh, were there forty five people there? No, there was oh. just two people, and it was a, a girl and a guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling the story terribly. Oh, um, I think it's great. I'm riveted. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, there's two people climbing there, and we joined. We asked if we could join. They're very nice, and I was just hearing this person talk and I was like, I've heard this voice before. And we both just realized like, holy crap, it's you and me. And we talk about it in the episode that I'm going to go to Joe's and it worked out. That that is incredible. So you met Whitney and Sean. Yep. Completely by chance. And they were super fun to hang out with. And then 45 people showed up and ruined everything. I hate it when people go to climbing areas. Something about, something about the weird herds of climbers in Joe's Valley that I encounter is like, so different than other groups of people that just this lack of awareness, this lack of basic like club bouldering etiquette. Mm-hmm. No, no hello, no respect for space. Do like, you demand respect when you meet people? I don't demand it, but I feel like I, I don't know. I guess I expect it because I, I try to do that for other people. Yeah, it it's getting pretty rough out there. You should go to the happy boulder in the happies the one with the hulk over spring break is it terrible i mean dude from solarium to the hulk there are like 25 pads it's like uh that hot lava game you played as a kid you're never gonna fucking step on the hot lava because there are little flotation pads everywhere safety yeah safety that might be a little bit farther than safety anyway that was a great great episode i hope you guys enjoyed it um thank you to whitney She's super inspiring, and she's gonna be gunning for the next world championship in 2019. Keep your guys, uh, keep your eyes peeled, guys, because she could use you know any support. And I, that's a good call. We gotta represent. Yeah, she. I'm. She's surely gonna do another GoFundMe. So chipping in five bucks if you can do it to 
help make her dreams come true and also help her climb for America. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think another thing too is, uh, just spreading awareness. I think there are a lot of people out there who don't even know, like she mentioned about climbing and it can be a life changing thing. Yeah, for sure. And then the Enorma cast, um, a couple episodes ago has a show with Justin Salas. Yeah. So check that out as well. We, we did this before that interview. We kind of talked about him a little bit. So I was psyched to see that that finally came up anyway. On to some housekeeping, shall we? <laughs> shall we? Uh, so we're on social media. Are we? Are, is we're st- it, do we even talk about this anymore? Is Facebook even alive? I think Facebook is like... Facebook's dead. dead. It's a zombie. So you're, you're, you can get weird photos of animals from your grandma. Yeah. Um, so we're on there, I guess, <laughs> uh, allegedly. Uh, Instagram... Yeah, don't even worry about it. Um, if you guys would like to submit a story or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, remember to check out thundercling.com and get back to us with feedback at thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Correct. Is there anything else? Oh, this oh. is where we say, please like us. Don't forget, like <laughs> us, subscribe. <laughs> Tell your friends about us. Or rate and review as well. If you guys have time to rate and review us on iTunes, we have learned what it actually does. It oh, wow. Helped, I it, actually don't know. It, it, puts you, it puts a podcast higher in the search rankings. So if you search like climbing podcasts, if things get rated and reviewed yeah. enough, um, but we don't really care. If you have time to do it, do it. If you don't have time, hey, man, that's cool. At least you made it this far. That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's about it. it. You know what? I have a question for you, Feedy. Hit me, Dave. Hit me in the f- fucking face. What? Now, this is that swear word made this next question sound weird. <laughs> but what? So I'm going to use that same swear okay. word. What is your fucking favorite holiday movie? We didn't practice this. God. I'm, I'm just. Dave, you dropping, put me on the spot. I'm dropping this out of right uh, now. What's your favorite holiday movie? Is there even one in my life? Five. Oh, four. I can't remember the last one I saw. Three. Halloween two. Town. Halloween Town? Yeah, it's a Disney Channel original movie. No, I meant your favorite, like, Christmas Hanukkah time holiday movie. Uh, not like Halloween Charlie. Thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that failed big Dave, time. Dave, what's your favorite Christmas movie? I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to say it. Die Hard. I bet you're going to say Die oh, Hard. Oh, if Die Hard. Is a Christmas movie, which I happen to think it is, but there's a lot of debate out there between people who don't give a shit and people who are like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Die Hard would be my favorite. Okay. But because it's swirling Debatable. controversy, yeah. Yeah. I am going to say something that most people will not. D- don't. Don't. The Family Man. With the Nicolas Cage man? and Taya Leone and Don Cheadle is my favorite holiday movie. Do it, dude. Call I, me a sucker. I just have never heard or seen or known anything about this movie. So it probably doesn't get shit on Rotten I've, Tomatoes, man. It's not a popular entry into the canon, but it's my favorite. It's Nicholas, you know. At his pre, peak? It's pre-Psycho. Okay. But you can kind of see him sliding he's, into he's like slipping. a little bit of mania. Yeah. Is it pre-National Treasure? Uh, I don't know. It's early 2000s. Okay. Around the same Around time. Around the same time. Mm-hmm. Respect. Yeah, respect. Family man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So if you guys haven't seen The Family Man, 
check it out and give me all the shit you want. I can take it. And, I love it. And also, guys, clearly I am slacking. In Feedy hates Christmas Santa Claus. Movie. Uh, That's cool, dude. So please, if you guys have recommendations, uh, shoot me a text. 319-621-6919. I would love some recommendations <laughs> oh for you, please, uh, listeners, Christmas or holiday Please, listeners, start calling movies. him. He keeps, doing, he keeps dropping his phone number on the podcast. Don't be afraid. He's a very kind and accepting person. I won't answer, to be fair, but I'll, if you give a good message, I'll be happy. Wow. I never answer this phone. Dave calls me all the time. I just hit ignore. Is that really what's happening? Uh, I thought... You... Son of a bitch. story about these songs at the end of the broadcast we like to play for you all you lovely folks out there number one rule we don't write any lyrics we don't write any music we just start playing you may not believe that because it's a beautiful sound it sounds like it's been practiced for years and years and years but it has not been rule number two is followed rule number one at all times and hence I am going to kick off this song. Okay. Don't act like you're not excited. One more time. Oh, God. Damn, am I feeling pretty excited. I want to tell you something about Thanksgiving. Is that when you eat too much turkey, you can't climb as well as you'd like to. It's the Thanksgiving blues. Oh, the Thanksgiving blues. Speaking of which, I got myself a big old fat ass. Put it on the blue at the gym. Got the Thanksgiving blues because it's a VVVVV2. And I fell. I fell right to the ground.
turkey legs. <laughs>